Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Colin Henderson. Chris is on the IL this week, so joining me today is our very own Mr. George Bissell. George, how's it going? What's going on, Colin? Great to be here. I uh, hope Chris is off doing fun things. Uh, he I, wish I, could a- say, I wish I could say that he was, but I think it's a bad case of bronchitis, to which he said, I would sound like a 12-pack-a-day smoker if I did the podcast tonight, which I said, like, I'm. that's not a hard no for me. Like, if you want to go, like, what is it, like Harvey Feinstein or whatever it is, you want to have that, like, gravelly voice? Like, I could be interested in that. Yeah, He's Harvey like, Feinstein, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> he would have sounded probably better than uh, Chris Collinsworth a couple weeks ago. Oh, so. boy, yeah, I mean, that was that was the vocal version of the um, Bob Costas red eye, like uh, pink eye. Like that was the vocal version of that on live TV where you were like, this is happening, right? Yeah, this is absolutely happening. He sounds, he sounds rough. Well, now that we got the medical update out of the way, uh, we got a lot to talk about on this show and uh, it's an exciting time and playoffs right around the corner. Two weeks left. Anything can happen. We've kind of reached that stage of the season. So we we're are touch very on a lot much at the, yeah, we are very much at the throw darts against the wall and whatever hits hits. Uh, Coming up on the show today, George and I will be highlighting some last-minute waiver ads as you go for that title, hopefully. Most of the players we'll be discussing are young and exciting players who we think not only can help you out for this year, but we'll also discuss their 2023 value and if we believe they will or should be drafted in standard leagues next season. But before we get to all of that, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also a hundred grand up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the 49ers and Broncos in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Got to get that hundred grand. Go grab it. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. At Amica Insurance... We know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. 
For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Before we get to some of those waiver wire people, a big piece of news um, coming out of the baseball world today, really coming out of the political world today, if you want to get into it, is that Canada looks like they are going to remove their vaccination requirements for all non-Canadians entering the country. Um, According to Eric Atkins and Robert Fife of The Globe and Mail, the Canadian government plans to drop the COVID-19 vaccine requirement by the end of September. Obviously, that is... Great news for anyone who wants to get back up to Nova Scotia, but also it is a big piece of news for all of the Major League Baseball teams with the Blue Jays currently holding the number one wild card spot. Um, that would mean if standings were to hold, they would host the three game wild card um, in Toronto. Obviously, all year, different teams have had to battle the who's vaccinated and who isn't conversation when they've had to go up to Toronto. Kansas City had, I think, 10 people not able to make the trip, which was um, amazing to think that they had to bring up 10 people um, from the minors just for a three-day trip up north. But when we get to postseason baseball, that will not be a factor in this, which I think is, is great because I think the last thing we want is us not getting a full team, a full 25 against or 26 against 26 because of um, of vaccination requirements, anything there. So this will open up the full roster to all teams who have to go up to the North. Yeah, I think that was an interesting development. It's not something we expected to see. It certainly kind of came out of nowhere. So uh, yeah, I, I think when it comes to possibly hosting games, I think you want a situation where everybody's going to be available. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the primary motivation here. We saw this happen at the start of regular season two. Remember New York city had a vaccine mandate yep, I was about to bring uh, that for, up. <laughs> for outside athletes. And that seemed to disappear right at the start of the baseball season. When you had the Mets and Yankees starting to come into town uh, about a week before the season, I remember that came in that the decision was made mm-hmm. to lift that uh, for s- certain groups. So, and that included athletes, professional athletes. Yeah. So yeah, I- I'm not, I'm almost surprised that this happened because it was the something we were talking about all year, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a factor in the postseason. So that's going to be a positive. And I think maybe the bigger issue for, for guys would have been some of the younger players. When you look at prospects, guys who were maybe in the minors all year who are now on a roster, they're eligible for the postseason. Uh, there's a chance that maybe they weren't vaccinated because there are no right. minor league teams in Canada. So that's something you could have factored in that maybe there wasn't the expectation that they had time to get vaccinated if, if they had chosen not to. So, yeah, there are all kinds of variables you consider here. And it's probably easier when you have the rest of the teams that don't have this to then say to Toronto, all right, let's let's do something about this. So that probably was uh, the driving force behind that. Yeah, great point on that front. So um, so we will get that of gone by the end of September. Postseason will be full go. Let's talk about some of those young players that obviously teams are getting into the postseason now. You are deep into either postseason in a head-to-head matchup in fantasy baseball leagues, or obviously if you're in the standard full-season roto, we are in the final two and a half weeks. So let's get you a little bit of help, hopefully from some young and exciting players that are widely available on your wire. And let's start with Luis Rangifo, the 
infielder, outfielder for the Angels, available at second base, third base, shortstop, and outfield in Yahoo leagues. Um, overall on the year, batting 275, 306, 453, with 15 homers, 47 RBIs, 41 runs scored, six stolen bases, and an OPS of 759. Over his last five games, however, he is hitting 400 with four homers and seven RBIs locked in. Only 25 years old, but this is his fourth season in the bigs. Prior to the season, he has a two, he has a career 216 average with 14 homers and six stolen bases. So basically, he has doubled his prior three seasons this season, available in 53% of leagues. George, talk to me a little bit about Luis. Well, it's interesting. I don't think he's anything special, but 25 years old, switch hitter who seems to kind of be coming into his own as yep. a guy who can play every single day. And that's something the Angels haven't really been able to develop the last couple of years. So they're desperate for a guy like this to come up and make an impact. And I think he's shown that he's capable of holding down an everyday role. So you look at historically who are like some of the comps for this, and you would have like the Freddie Galvis yep. types where if you're in a deeper fantasy league and you want a guy who's going to go out there and play every day, he's going to give you the occasional stats. He's not a superstar, but uh, these are the types of guys who really end up mattering, especially in deeper leagues and those, those AL NL only formats. So these are the kind of guys I like who develop and take that next step. So what's interesting about Rangifo is, is if you look at the margin between being a guy who hits 216 and a guy who hits 280, it's really about like 2.2 miles yeah. per hour in average exit velocity. Right. That's really the difference. He hasn't dramatically overhauled anything he's really doing. He isn't hitting the ball much harder, but he is making some more frequent hard contact, and it's resulting in a lot more over-the-fence power, which still isn't like stratospheric, you know, 15 home runs in a full season. And he's probably not a guy who's going to hit more than 20, but he can also steal potentially 10 to 15 bases too. So I think these are the types of guys I look for where he's not doing something drastically different than he was, you know, three weeks ago, three months ago. I just think he's getting gradually better, and this is the type of success I think he can carry over into a full-time role next year. So these are the types of players I like to identify going forward, especially on teams that have nothing to play for now right. because sometimes you get these, like, Frank Schwindel, like, Mirage performances, yep. and, you know, maybe some of those are the types of guys we're going to talk about here tonight, but – you know, this is something I think is sustainable, and, and he's going to be a guy who matters next year in deeper formats. Yep, and obviously for those in leagues now, if you're hot right now, I'll I'll take he has two games with multiple home runs in the past week. He hadn't hit a game with multiple home runs for the last three seasons, so he is he's at least locked in right now and can be helpful for leagues now. And like you said, I think he has a opportunity, especially on a wide open. Um, Angels team where he has the positional flexibility that he can be a guy, even if he doesn't lock in at one position next year, he could be someone who could lock in at a couple different positions and be a utility player. Obviously that gets him regular at bats. And that's what from a fantasy standpoint, we would look at for him. So definitely someone to look out for next year on that front, someone slightly older on the team and definitely the oldest of the group that we're going to discuss today. Elvis Andrus shortstop for the White Sox. Um, had to bring him up today for anybody who is still in their leagues because he has, under the radar, been really good since going over to Chicago. Overall in the season, batting 256 with 14 homers, 51 RBIs, 16 runs scored, and 13 stolen bases. But since being traded to the White Sox, he's hitting 314 with an OPS of 874, 
six homers and six stolen bases in 28 games. That's 118 at bats. Um, in the month of September, he's batting 351 with an OPS north of one uh, and has become basically an everyday player for them. Um, 30, 34 years old, but can still help while hot. Available in 43% of leagues. He's someone that I think you could absolutely ride that hot hand right now if you are looking for any help, not only from a ratio standpoint, but also a stolen base standpoint as he's still very active on the base paths. So since the start of the pandemic-shortened 2020 campaign, we have about 1,200 plate appearances of Elvis Andrews being a 299 on-base percentage guy with no power mm-hmm. and no speed. So I, I choose to believe in the track record. He showed oh, us for that sure. he, he's not really doing a whole lot, but the old philosophy applies where anything can happen in 200 plate appearances mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So I, I think getting released by – Oakland and being on the the edge of not being a major leaguer anymore. Right. I think that sparks something, and to be able to get that proverbial change of scenery where the A's haven't been competitive for years, and you know that's a tough situation to be in as a veteran player, and to then so. to then go to a contender with a pretty good lineup and to be able to make something happen and show you still have something in the tank. I, I think that's that's what stands out to me because. He has six stolen bases in 28 games with the White Sox, and I don't think he had had more than that all season with the Athletics. And yeah, he had seven in 106 games. So yeah, stolen bases are they reflect effort and um, wanting to do it. That's yeah, desire. Per- yeah, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that he has chosen to do that, I think, speaks volumes about his effort level and, and what he's doing lately. So yeah. Anything can happen. I'd ride the hot hand, and there's definitely a chasing stats component to rostering Andrews. But with two weeks left, it's not like uh, if he goes in a you know a two for thirty slump, you're you know you're not. Uh, it's could, not. It's, he you're not missing a, out on other guys. Exactly. Basically. He could go for a two for ten slump, and you could be like, okay, the hot streak was over, and you you just missed the tail end. But right, the uh, opportunity has, cost isn't as great exactly. this late in the season, so it's not like you're missing out on a younger player who maybe would have started for you for three months. So I'm fine with it if that's the direction you want to go. Corbin Carroll, another young player, outfielder for the Diamondbacks, top prospect in the one of the top prospects in the majors has really acclimated himself nicely to major league pitching slashing 293 369 534 with three homers nine rbis nine runs scored across 58 at bats that's an ops of 903 in the minors he hit 307 with 24 homers and 62 are 62 rbis and 31 stolen bases across 362 at bats Three homers already in the majors is impressive, as is that 869 or, excuse me, 903 OPS. Sold his first base today in the first half of the doubleheader. We have not seen um, much of him on the base paths just yet, but the 31 stolen bases in the minors shows that he has that type of talent in his game and should be coming to fantasy lineup soon enough. Um, going to be a great player in 2023. I think this is. Uh, I think this is someone that you. I think is going to make a huge leap up into possibly the top 40 or so outfielders at the end by the end of 2023, if not higher, especially in roto leagues where those stolen bases should matter all the more. But being held back a little bit this season, not a full everyday player just yet. Sitting mostly against lefties. He's only started one game against a left-handed pitcher so far this season. Available in 62% of leagues. 
but he is a great bat, especially to go grab if there is a right-hander on the hill because he is getting just about every at-bat against righties so far for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I don't really understand how he's still so widely out there. I'm, I'm shocked <laughs> by it. Leagues. When I saw 62%, I, I was sure he was not going to be eligible on this list because he was going to be over that 50% threshold in a major way. Yeah, look, there's a lot of falling off late in the year as it tends Fair to happen point. in some fantasy circles. But um, this is someone who, you know, you've been talking with Chris Crawford, our prospect guru all season. This is someone he's been highlighting as a top mm-hmm. five, top 10 overall prospect in the game for fantasy purposes for months now. And frankly, when you started to see the production in the upper levels of the minors, start of the year, fully healthy Carroll is, he has that Kyle Tucker type potential to be, you know, the 20, 30 call. homer guy yeah. who can also steal 20, 30 bases. Uh, those skill sets just don't come along too often. And he hits for average. This guy who projects to play every day, you know, he might sit against some tougher lefties, but you know, they're protecting him a little bit right now. Like tonight, Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Dodgers. They don't want him to, to be exposed in that matchup. So he's only 22. He's he's only going to get better yep. against Southpaws. So I don't think this is a situation where he's a platoon type player moving forward. I think he's the five category guy that the total package and you don't, you know, when you see it, I think that's sort of the, 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 my attitude towards younger prospects is once you see them come up and they don't look overmatched in the majors and they're having success, that's when you can kind of buy in and say, okay, I can see this working out. It's always difficult to forecast prospects. I mean, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this. Nobody, nobody has the secret sauce. You don't know until you see it. So when you see it, uh, that's, that's a special thing. So I think we're seeing it now with Corbin Carroll. He's probably going to be drafted inside the top 100 picks. If I had to guess in in fantasy drafts next year, I I can see that happening. It, It wouldn't shock me at all. No, I could see that happening as well. And if you're thinking about this from a keeper standpoint, or obviously dynasty leagues, he, I assume, is already universally rostered in every dynasty league. And if he isn't, then shame on your dynasty league. But for those in keeper leagues, for those who are basically using his month in the majors as potentially enough of a, of a tasting for them to potentially keep, how confident, confident are you? I think both of us are very confident in him overall throughout the remainder of his career but how how much confidence do you feel in him looking into a 2023 mindset and saying like how much is he worth it to keep from now till next year i think and from a long-term standpoint the types of similar profiles for outfielders where you start to face tough decisions like a Randy Rosarena, who's a a couple years older, Mm -hmm. similar power speed guy. I think that's sort of the statistical profile you're going to see from Corbin Carroll at his apex. I don't know if he's totally there yet, but I would probably consider him over guys like Tyler O'Neill, Cedric Mullins. I think those are some of the names I look at and say, I think I'd rather have Carroll going Mm -hmm. forward. Just, I think the upside is higher. Maybe the floor is a little bit too, where those guys have gotten, you know, O'Neill's been hurt. It's been a weird yeah. season for him. It's been a weird, yeah. The production hasn't been there. And then Cedric Mullins, where you look at the rest of that organization, and today he batted, uh, he batted eighth. So, or he wasn't even in the lineup actually against the lefty, and they had Gunnar Henderson leading off. And yep, Henderson looks like a Mookie Betts type, where once <laughs> once he's in that leadoff spot, he's not going anywhere for like ten years. So, uh, I don't know what the future holds in Baltimore for for someone like that. So. Look, I, I really like Carroll a lot, and uh, when you get into dynasty keeper rankings, I mean, it's always tough, but th- the floor seems really high for Carroll right now. There's not a lot of weaknesses to his game that we've seen. Uh, let's talk about another top prospect who made the jump up to the majors, and that's Josh Young. 
uh, third baseman for the Rangers. Um, so far in his major league career, batting 250 with three homers and six RBIs with a stolen base across 40 at bats. Uh, in the minors, across 124 at bats, he had 266 with nine homers and 29 RBIs in a stolen base. Um, so far, look, he has shown, I think, the power and contact that he has shown in the major uh, in the minors so far in his short time in the majors. He's also brought along a little bit of that swing and miss game that was uh, that was plaguing him in the minors and has brought up to the bigs yet to walk at the major league level has struck out 18 times in the process. Uh, a former first round pick though in 2019 first pick first round pedigree available in 81% of leagues. Um, I'm not sure how powerful Josh Young is going to be this season, but I think when you look at him into next year and more like the him and, um, and why, who am I blanking on the Cardinals right now? Who just Nolan Gorman, I I could see them having very similar type seasons in terms of next year when they're both going to have ideally a full taste of the majors. Yeah. It's a little bit difficult to, to forecast with, uh, with Young. What's what, because he's coming off the, the shoulder surgery sure. towards labrum and spring training. It was about six months, seven months before he could even pick up a bat. So I, I tend not to look at the results here and just say, okay, how does he look? And he looks like mm-hmm. he's, he's the power is back and yep. he looks healthy. That was the big issue with him in AAA, where everyone was wondering, well, why isn't he getting called up? We have to make sure he can play three weeks in a row and that his shoulder's okay. Exactly. Like, there's a lot more at stake here for him in the future uh, health-wise than, than looking at what the on-field results are. So I think the power is definitely real. I mean, you've seen it in some of the home runs he's hit where he hasn't yeah. even gotten all of them, a lot of them, and yeah. they're still going out. So the question is going to be, can he make enough contact? And I don't know if we're going to have the answer for a while, but uh, certainly when you get into those late rounds and you're speculating on these guys, uh, the the difference between like a Thai France and and – guys who don't hit for a high batting average, which is most sluggers, you know, it's, it's a narrow margin for error. So he's going to have to figure out how to, to tiptoe that line and make enough contact to survive. And I, I think he can get there. If you're looking at prospects who are going to have the opportunity, he's certainly a guy who's going to get 600 at bats if oh, he's healthy sure. next year for Texas. They, they don't have a lot of other options there for them. So he's here to stay. And I think, is going to get an everyday role and unless he's really bottoms out and the strikeouts become um, just too much, mm-hmm. he's going to play next year. Yeah. So long as he doesn't, and I don't mean to turn him into an adjective, so long as he doesn't Torkelson his way into the minors, who is again, someone very much given the opportunity from camp, you are going to get 600 at bats. Just don't give us a reason to send you down. Unfortunately, he was unable to stay up at the major league level. Uh, hopefully this is, he will at least have a similar type of opportunity in front of him and he's going to have every opportunity to take advantage of it. This gets back to the Carol discussion I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just don't know, like Spencer Torkelson yep. checked every single box coming every up through box. the minors, collegiate career, upper minors production. Uh, and then things just never really clicked at the highest level. So he's hit again in triple A, he's going to get another opportunity. So I'm not super worried about him long-term, but sometimes, you know, guys don't succeed right away and some guys do. So when you see it, you kind of, that, that gives you your answer uh, really quickly on some guys. And some guys, it takes a lot longer. Development is weird with players. And if anyone knew the answers as to why all this occurs, uh, they'd probably be running a team. So 
we, we yep. do our best to, to draw conclusions with the information we have. That's all I can say. You know, it's yeah, not- player progression is not linear one yeah. way or the other. There's a lot of ups and downs involved here. But Torgelson drafted pretty much universally inside the top 125. You could see it just to show you the risk reward that you can get from that spot. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez, I believe, pretty much universally drafted inside the top 150. So there is the the wide range of uh, outcomes that you can get yeah. from these type of prospects. I think I guess if you're looking for a, a skill set moving forward, it's try to find guys who can steal bases because that definitely buoys against the, the risk of like a total collapse in their value where they're not contributing at all to your fantasy roster. So if you're looking at prospects, it's guys with speed who can kind of get on base and steal a little bit. Uh, those tend to be more well-rounded skill sets, and there's less risk of a total Torkelson-type collapse. Right. And even more fascinating is going to be, obviously, next year when we talk about those stolen bases, the new rules that will be put into play mm-hmm. next year. The You have to assume right, John Birdie right now, I believe, entering today, that leads Major League Baseball with 34 stolen bases. That number could very easily double next year, depending on health and, obviously, how much advantage – certain players take of the new kind of stolen base and pitch clock and throw over to first base rule. So I think you're going to see, I think it's going to be very interesting in the off season as we start to really digest a lot of those stolen base conversation, those guys who are like, you know, slightly above average in sprint speed. Well, maybe that suddenly takes them from like a four to five stolen base to like maybe a 10 to 15 stolen base. Like there could be major jumps in stolen base categories. That will be very fascinating, especially when we look at these young, usually very young and exciting rookie crops that want to show their worth, that have the athleticism, that have the drive. Like you said, stolen base is very much a desire-based move yeah. in, in baseball than anything else. They'll finally have an opportunity to show that. Yeah, it's tough because you kind of have to rely on younger players for stolen bases. As mm-hmm. you've seen this year with a guy like Wet Merrifield, once you get into your early 30s, those stolen bases just dry up. It, the, yep. the production just does not hold up over time for older players. Um, you know, we've seen that with a number of guys. You know, Tommy Pham's another good example of that. A guy mm-hmm. used to steal a lot of bases, just there's no no more. So uh, it's a young person's uh, game, and uh, that's what makes John Birdie fascinating. Like, he's a guy who missed most of last season. He got a concussion in July mm-hmm. and did not play after that, like, he went undrafted in every league. He went undrafted in NL only leagues. Like not somebody fantasy managers were counting on for steals. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to lead off every day and steal 40 bases. Like, yeah. okay, that's sometimes th- baseball is weird. And that's what makes this uh, such a fun experience. Let's hop over to the pitching mound now and talk about a couple of youngsters. And let's start with Luis Ortiz, the starting pitcher for the pirates. Um, had a five and two third inning scoreless debut against the Reds, striking out five and walking three while only giving up a hit. And is currently pitching, as as far as I can tell, as of recording this at 8.52 Eastern. Um, Still pitching against the Yankees and had done a really nice job against them. Had struck out at least five or six batters before we hit record. Um, Showing triple-digit fire from his arm. Hit 100-plus miles per hour six pitches, uh, six times in his first start. I saw at least four or five in his first four innings today. like I said, currently pitching against the Yankees tonight. He will pitch against the Cubs at home and at St. Louis, a already clinched St. Louis Cardinals team, if he were to stay in the rotation on regular rest. So he could be a very intriguing arm down the line, not only for 
this year because I will take him against the Cubs and Cardinals. I'll take him in both of those starts. And obviously, when we look at 2023, he is showing some real mitt-popping power out of that arm. And he is going to suddenly, if he pitches really nicely over these next few starts, could be a name that is highly spoken about when we talk about 2023 drafts. Yeah, shades of Danny Salazar here. Um, when he burst onto the scene mm-hmm. about a decade ago, it makes me feel old now. But yeah, you know, the thing about Ortiz is that yeah, the velocity is nice, but he generates swinging strikes. That's mm-hmm. the big thing. He misses bats. Uh, had huge strikeout rates in the upper minors. Came on really strong the last couple of weeks at AAA. He had nine strikeouts his la- over six hitless innings his last start in AAA, and then has carried that over into the big leagues. And he's he's faced some tough lineups here. You know, this Yankee lineup, only two runs earned so far through five innings. Uh, only two runs allowed, I should say, only one earned. But um, really impressive against the Reds his last time out. And I, I worry because fantasy managers are getting to see it that his fantasy value is going to get inflated. He's going to be a very, very popular late round. You know who's really good that nobody's talking about, guy? Mm-hmm. everyone's going to talk about it all off season. So I, we were talking before the show a little bit. I'm a little bit bummed that he's, he's up <laughs> and pitching this well because everyone's going to be on him next spring. And I just think he's, he's really fantastic. And you look at some of the arms in that pirate's rotation, he definitely deserves a shot to, to yep. break in. Yes. You know, there, there are a bunch of guys that's like Brian Bayo is a good one with the Red Sox where it's like, these guys should be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the service that whatever's going on. This is probably one of your best arms. You need him in there. Like Contreras is another guy for the Pirates who should be starting next year. Like, yep. If if you want JT Brubaker to be your fifth starter, that's great. But you know, this is a guy who should be pitching every five days. He, I think he's really good, and the strikeout rate uh, is going to be there. So, yeah, this is somebody I would definitely be looking at uh, for next year and be circling on my cheat sheet now. Don't forget about this performance uh, because he, he's. I, I hope people are talking about him in the offseason because I think he's really good potentially. I, I think he has the. I think he is going to go into 2023 drafts as like the 2022 version of Hunter Green, where everyone kind of sees everyone. If he has a good spring training, he makes the rotation out of camp. Like this will be the guy that, you know, smart managers will go out and say, you know what, I'm taking a flyer on him. I, I know it's rookie. I know he's going to be there since day one. I know that means he probably doesn't last the entire year, either due to health or due to pitching limits. But you know what, the talent is there. Um, he's going to have an opportunity and he's going to have every up op- and he's going to have the ability to run with the ball when he gets it. So, um, I think he's that type of player entering this year where Hunter green was discussed at the end of spring training. Like, Hey, he might actually be something this right now. And Luis, uh, Luis Ortiz might be that player. Yeah. I mean, green was, you know, top pick in the draft, like consensus. Oh, top no pitching question. Prospects. Yeah. Like Ortiz is a guy who was kind of a fringy pitching prospect who maybe some people thought was more of a reliever. And then the command of the arsenal and the stuff, which was prodigious, you know, took off this year. So especially late in the last couple of weeks, especially. So um, this is someone who's really emerging. And I think fantasy managers should be watching closely here. And I'd take a shot. I'm in deeper mix, even a shallower league. Uh, You mentioned the matchups coming up. Absolutely. I think he's a must start here with two weeks left in the season. Just ride the hot hand. He's, He's got it right now. Available in over ninety nine percent of leagues. So, I, I fun fact: last, he is available in your league. <laughs> I, I wrote him up last week for pickup of the day. I mean, I, just 
you have to watch for these types of promotions where guys who are pitching well in AAA get a shot here, and and he he's he's gotten that shot and he's taking advantage of it. So definitely uh, go pick him up if he's available, which sounds like he is. Oh, he is. Uh, if if somehow you're in the one league that he has already snatched up before um, before tonight's game, that that would be very funny because, like I said, over ninety nine percent of leagues. Uh, we spoke about Hunter Green. Let's talk about Hunter Brown here, starting pitcher for the Astros. Um, has made a nice little start to his time up in the major leagues. 2-0 with a 1.2 ERA, .93 whip, and 14 strikeouts and 15 innings. He made two starts where he gave up just two runs across 12 innings pitched. Yes, it was against Detroit and Texas, but it still counts. Pitched three scoreless innings Monday night in long relief against the Rays, securing a hold while striking out three in three innings. Um, short of there being an injury in the Astros rotation, it's unlikely Hunter Brown will see any starts probably from now to the end of the year. I mean, it's possible that they might do this towards the end when they don't care. They already clinched. They, they might give him a spot, but for the most part, I don't think you can rely upon that at the moment, but if he becomes someone who is a, a valuable arm that comes out behind a starter that gets a couple innings can get you the W because of that, uh, he could be a still intriguing arm for the remainder of this year but obviously george talk to me a little bit about him and going into 2023 and what you project for him next season i'd project him to be in the rotation this isn't a that's the big question that's the big question yeah i mean for 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 the next two weeks he's basically the new garrett whitlock which Mm -hmm. i'm sad because garrett whitlock (laughs) he's been hurt for a while he's had the hip issue here so um, I'm glad he's getting the surgery and he's going to be healthy. But uh, basically, if you had Whitlock, you could probably replace him with Brown. You're going to get a similar multi-inning reliever who's going to come in, mm-hmm. strike people out, limit damage. And what I'm impressed with with Brown is the command of the stuff is there. You, I, I haven't seen him too much I, in the minor leagues. I mean, I've, I've watched him a couple times, and you get to see him in the Futures game and you know, things like that. And what I've always been impressed with is the command of the stuff. It's really tough to pitch in the PCL. So uh, mm-hmm. the fact that he led the PCL, I think, in ERA this year, um, really impressive young pitcher. So I think the Astros were, were cautious because they have so many veterans in that rotation. I mean, there wasn't even room for a guy like Christian Javier to make starts. So right. uh, a couple months. So I, I don't th- I think they're trying to avoid pushing him and, and that's what they were doing all year. They wait. That's why they waited this long. And then when the Verlander injury occurred, it was like, well, now's the time to get him up here. So they did that. And um, I think he's in the rotation next year. I, I, I don't know what more he has left to prove in the minors. So I, I don't know how things get shuffled there to create a spot for him, but I think they will do that. Yeah. That's my big question here is it? I think he's, proven himself both in the minors again a 255 era you mentioned that led the pcl 130 I mean, possible to pitch in it, it, PCL, it's like, incredibly low for the, the pcl the moon. and 134 strikeouts to 45 walks and 106 innings so just the strikeouts are there the era is there the command is there he is ready to go but the only question is where do you find a spot in the rotation? Like you said, Christian Javier has been struggling to find starts on his own, and he was putting together a tremendous first half of the season. It wasn't that he pitched his way out of the starting rotation. So um, it, it, that part will be fascinating. They always say in baseball, you can never have too much pitching, and these things tend to to figure themselves out. 
some someone will get injured somewhere and these things will make it happen. But um, obviously his value takes a very different turn if he does not make the rotation next year and is someone who has to wait on the sidelines until he gets in. But if he were to be from day one in the rotation, I mean, this is a this is a Joe Ryan kind of 2022 kind of player where he could be someone that is genuinely that moves the needle late in drafts. Yeah. That's uh, a good point about the rotation because everybody's kind of locked in, especially if Verlander comes back. You know, yep. there's always the chance if they win a world series, you might say, I, I, guys, I'm good. Um, you never know. Uh, Lance McCullers is always a question mark. So mm-hmm. especially given his track record the last year or so. Um, so you never know with these types of things, but if they decide to go the route of putting him in the bullpen to open the air, uh, like the Red Sox did with Whitlock and you saw um, other teams too. I mean, like Jordan Hicks, I think started the year and the, he's kind of moved back and forth between roles occasionally. So there are guys who, who have done it. Uh, Nick Martinez is another one who's kind of yep. bounced back and forth San Diego. So it's not uncommon to see guys kind of do this. Um, so they could make it work to start the year and say, Hey, you're going to be the multi-inning guy out of the, uh, in relief. And, if we need to stretch you out, if there's an injury, we can do that. So um, Tanner Halk is another good example of this. Mm-hmm. He's bounced back and forth. So I think more teams have, have gone this way with development where it's like, all right, you know, can you give us three? Can you give us five innings? It doesn't matter if you're the starter, you come into the second inning. Uh, development's just changed for pitchers. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them use him as a reliever, but I, I think he, he deserves a shot to, to start. Speaking of someone who's looking to break camp in 2023 in the rotation, Hayden Wisniewski, the starting pitcher for the Cubs, um, had his first start the other day on Saturday against Colorado, went seven scoreless, striking out seven. Uh, overall, has a 2-3 ERA and .7 whip uh, with 18 strikeouts across 15 innings in the majors and has a 3.92 ERA and 1.16 whip with 106 strikeouts across 110 innings in the minors so far this year. He was traded from the Yankees to the Cubs for Scott Efros uh, in a trade at the deadline. And so far, obviously, like I said, pitched on Saturday. If he were to stay in the rotation, he would pitch at Pittsburgh, versus Philly and at Cincy to finish out the year. Two of those three sound like very nice spots for him to land available in 94% of leagues. He showed a really, uh, his first start was a really nice start and he has two very favorable matchups to finish out the year. He is fighting for a a roster spot in the rotation, obviously next year. Um, I think Wisniewski has He's always been a really nice prospect in the Yankee farm system. He really made a rise up over the last 12 months or so. And now is really starting to show off that he is major league ready. Yeah. I, I think you covered all the big bolt, you know, the main points to know uh, with him. I, I don't have a whole lot to add. I, I think the matchups are good down the stretch. Um, obviously somebody who the Cubs are confident can be a rotation guy. They're giving, you know, all kinds of opportunities to guys right now. Javier Assad is going to get a chance in the rotation. So, uh, these are some interesting arms situation to monitor. Um, Wesneski is definitely the guy to watch there. Um, Adbert Alzali is back as well, and he's pitching in relief. He had five strikeouts in two innings. When he came back, his first relief appearance had a lat strain that kind of knocked him out for like six months. So uh, you never know with young pitchers. I, mm-hmm. I always thought he was going to be really great, and it's just kind of never come together. So Wesneski definitely a guy who's going to get a long look and, you know, the Cubs are weird. Like Drew Smiley is all of a sudden one of the you know ten best pitchers in baseball out of nowhere for 
the last three months. So, yeah. And, and don't forget about Justin off. Steele in that too, <laughs> who had like a 1-5 ERA over his last 15 starts. Like yeah. it's, it's nonsense. So for a Nobody team that is not it. a very good team, no, no one talks. And he's still available in a laughable amount of leagues, by the way. If I think he just missed his last starts, but I believe uh, I believe he pitches within the next few days. So Yeah, he, he was on paternity leave, and he had a yeah. back issue. So And he was up there in innings anyway, so it wouldn't shock me to, to see him kind of uh, get shut down here. Uh, I don't think he's actually lined up for any starts this week. So, yeah, it's like Adrian Sampson's giving them quality innings. Like, I don't know what's going on in Chicago, but, like, everybody can pitch there apparently now, so that's fun. <laughs> that is fun. You had one more name that you wanted to mention before we got off. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, Ryan Nelson uh, for right. the Diamondbacks. He got hurt on Sunday. It was a weird one. He got struck in the right forearm by a comebacker. Uh, but Tori Lavallo said he is okay. X-rays were negative. So he's going to start this weekend. And it's actually a pretty nice matchup against San Francisco. So he's going to get the ball either Friday or Saturday, I think. Uh, probably be Saturday and uh, he's been excellent so far. I, I really like what I've seen from him. You know, there's a little bit of bad at ball luck so far because the minor league numbers in AAA weren't great, but like I said, it was the PCL. So when you're pitching at Reno, uh five ERA is actually good. Yeah. That's uh, not but bad. 18 and a third innings over three starts. He's got 16 strikeouts, only six walks, uh, two home runs allowed so far. So that's a 1.47 ERA for everybody mm-hmm. doing the math in their heads at home. So, He's looked good, and the Diamondbacks, they have nothing to play for, so he's nobody really has a book on him, so he's just kind of gone out there and dominated. He's pitched well against, like, the Dodgers and the Padres. So, look, I, I ride the hot hand. He's probably available in, like, 95% of leagues. Him and Dre Jamison, the two rookies for the yep. Arizona. Uh, Jamison gets the ball, I think, tomorrow. So, uh, actually tonight, So as we record this. But, yeah, Arizona's a weird little – uh operation going on right now so i, I, I like what, I like what they've done with some of the younger pitchers brent strom's a good pitching yeah coach, so yeah and going on right not now? only that plus like the the good young talent that they're bringing up offensively with jordan lawler and drew jones on the outside looking in like there is there is a an exciting future that you can foresee in oh. in arizona that gets them into wild card contention within the next you know, yeah. year or two I don't know if anyone's ever going to catch the Dodgers no. because of the machine Wild they've built. Contention. But yeah. <laughs> yes, this it's look how quickly they came together for the Orioles when you have mm-hmm. that sort of face of the franchise in, in Adley Rushman, and then you can add the pieces around him. You get a Gunnar Henderson, you get a couple young pitchers uh, coming up and doing their thing. Like you, you find a Felix Bautista a guy in your system who makes a jump. Yeah, like it can it can really take off for you in a hurry. So I, I like what the the Diamondbacks are doing, and they were. They were giving starts to like Dallas Keuchel, like it, it's they should have brought up Nelson and Jay. These guys should have been up earlier, in my opinion. I don't know what they were doing for like four months. Yeah, I I guess when you have no desire to try and make a push, like fine, I don't have to. But these guys are major league ready. I I expect this to this Arizona team is going to be a very fun over under. What what is their win loss? What does Vegas project as a win loss for them? Because I'm going to be very tempted to pick the over next year. Well, they're going to finish with like 75 wins. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, and somehow that's 75 wins when playing. What their record against the Dodgers has to be like three and 16. I'm just so, looking at the standings, and you know the Rockies have more wins than I thought they were going to. They have more wins than the Marlins. <laughs> How, many, see that coming. how how this has been my fun little like 
just a mental experiment is how many games back would they be from the American League Central uh, oh, title? Good question. Because that has been my like, oh, the let's talk about the Orioles and be like, if the Orioles were in the Central, they'd be like a game back. Or I think now they've fallen off a couple. But uh, what would they it's, be in the Central? It'd be like 15 back. They'd yeah. be like 15 back? Yeah, 16. Yep. 16 back? Okay, that's still... It, it, it looks so much worse when you're in the same division as the Dodgers fun, and fun. you're like 37 back or whatever it is now. Hey, the A's are only 43 and a half games back of the Astros right now. It's still it's, time. There's a good reason to get to the ballpark out there. Oakland is to make sure you, to make sure you watch that experiment go down, but that just about finishes up our show for today. If you enjoyed the show, then make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. So you don't miss an episode in the future. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. Love those five stars. And while you're at it, be sure to follow NBC Sports Edge on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch to be informed of all of our live shows, Q&As, segments, articles, and more so you can stay up to date on everything around the league and join in on the action. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleDon'tLie, and you can follow George at George Bissell. Be sure to tune back in Friday morning for DJ and Drew as I'll have a fresh new episode for you while Chris and I will be back this time next week. Until then, good luck with your baseball championship pushes and football teams. Stay safe out there, and as always, thanks for listening. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.